This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. To be a successful civil engineer in today's world, you need to be a mover and a shaker, right? You need to make things happen. You need to create opportunities. And in this episode, I am talking to a young civil engineer, and she has absolutely created a ton of opportunities for herself in her young career already. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, and as part of our Women in Civil Engineering series, I'll be talking with Karen Islas, a professional engineer and STEM advocate at the California Department of Transportation. Karen has worked in the public sector at local and state level, following obtaining her Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering from San Diego State University. She has been involved with multiple professional organizations like Women's Transportation Seminar, American Society of Civil Engineers, and the American Public Works Association. And in this episode, she'll be talking not only about her involvement with these organizations, mentorship and leadership development, but also how she manages all of these things and how she's accomplished so much at such a young age. She also talks a little bit about how her family and their support has inspired her, which I think is a really awesome message for all of us out there that are parents or just leaders in some way, shape, or form. Before we jump in with Karen, this is a free show, and our sponsors help us to keep it free, so I'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI's reputation and history sets them apart. PPI has helped engineers achieve their licensing goals since 1975, including me, Their courses and review materials are based on decades of experience. They schedule their courses over two to three months to ensure you can properly retain information and allow enough time for homework. They ensure students don't have to cram for their exam. Their courses come with everything you need. They offer robust programs with access to lectures, forums, learning hub, books, slides, etc. Their programs place a big emphasis on homework. They believe that practicing as much as possible is crucial to exam success. PPI's instructors are very highly rated on student surveys. They are extremely attentive and knowledgeable. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Again, that's ppi2pass.com. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the podcast for today. Karen Islas is a professional civil engineer and STEM advocate in California. She's worked in the public sector for her career. Karen, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony, for having me. It's such a pleasure. I've been a follower of your podcast and your Engineering Management Institute content. It did help me at some point when I was working uh, to get my professional civil engineering license. So thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. 
It's my pleasure to have you. I'm excited to talk about the things we're going to talk about today, getting into mentoring associations, developing one's career. But let's just start off, Karen. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your career journey so far. I've been in the civil engineering industry for about 10 years, counting some of my student time as well. I graduated high school, and as soon as I graduated high school, I enrolled myself in community colleges since I did not have any of the AP classes. I didn't have any, a lot of those engineering units. Uh, there's so many, right, at some point when you're working to get your degree. I also, I grew up in the border city of Tijuana, and um, I actually was from K to 12th grade in Tijuana, crossing back and forth like millions of people in the region, which it's a really cool, interesting way of seeing it because there's so many people that cross the border back and forth every single day. That is one of the land border crossing, the busiest land border crossings in the world. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome to know that fact that, um, you know, I just grew up in this area and it was normal for me to cross back and forth the region. And in high school, I graduated. And then I, like I mentioned, was in community colleges. At some point, I was enrolled in multiple community colleges across the region. <laughs> like, I think, remember, I think I had a, in a day, I had to go to different geographical locations. Since there was a moment that there were not a lot of classes, there were a lot of budget cuts. So since you just had to make it work when it came to that, I was very lucky, though, because I had full support from my family. And, um, you know, so I was able to focus on my undergrad duties without any trouble. And um, about two and a half years of community college, then I transferred to San Diego State University in the civil engineering major. There, that's when I started talking to people that have been in the program for a couple of years before me. And they started telling me, oh, there are no jobs. Really? Yes. And that's when I started noticing. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And luckily, talking to other people, I started looking for internships within the region itself. So I actually got my first internships in the public sector. And I started working for one of the largest local jurisdictions of the county of San Diego. So it was it was really interesting experience. And I was like a junior in, in junior year. That's when that happened. And then from there, in the last year of my degree, I enrolled myself in the Capstone Senior Design Project. And um, it did help me because I actually worked for a, a real life project. And um, it was for metropolitan planning organizations and a local jurisdiction as well. So it kind of gave me an idea of like, okay, maybe this is an area that I'd like to do. There's so much work to do and there's so many things that I can learn from it. So that's when I started applying for a full-time opportunity. Fortunately, when I graduated, as soon as I graduated, I got my, my full-time opportunity and working for the largest local jurisdiction in, as an assistant engineer, managing engineering capital projects, and also the asset management and maintenance and stuff like that regarding in a local jurisdiction. I was there for about four years, counting some of my student time, and then I transferred to state service. What's interesting about working for the public, and I'm really grateful about I've been, you know how civil engineering is super broad, right? There's so many things that you can do with it. It's incredibly well-rounded. And what I really enjoyed was the fact that I've been in different areas within civil engineering, right? I've been in field engineering construction. I've been doing design. I've been doing plans preparation. I've been using CAD. I've been involved with the grant application, getting funding. I'm involved with project management. I've been involved with so many areas. since, like I mentioned, it's super broad. And that's when I started noticing, like at least at this point in my career, that I'm very happy I chose this career path because I can do so many things with it. And I feel like I can go anywhere and I could do anything. And it's just so, so interesting. And you just continuously learn. So yeah, I really like civil engineering. <laughs>
I agree with you that it's a very flexible career, um, especially with everything going on with infrastructure right now. There's so many different opportunities out there for civil engineers. And I guess one question I would have for you on that is, what made you decide to go into the public sector? Was it something that your experience or what was it? You know how it is sometimes you start looking for opportunities in different locations. And when you start applying for jobs and you start getting involved with the community, you start noticing, oh, okay, these standards came from this agency. These specifications came from this agency. And then you start noticing that you can work for the jurisdiction, the agency that actually create the standards for the whole industry. And it started with that. And then also in, in what's interesting in San Diego State, I did have a lot of uh, professors that were working in these agencies. They were part of, um, like they call it, uh, technical expert roundtables that were able, you know, they were part of the reporting, they were part of the analysis of the processes of actually creating these standards and specifications for civil engineering, at least in California. I was exposed pretty quickly in, you know, kind of like since the beginning of my, my student time, I started noticing like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. And then of course, I was really, really interested in freeways. <laughs> so there was like, okay, transportation, it's like we were saying, civil engineering is really broad, but transportation itself, I feel like I can do a lot of the stuff that I, I like, which is engaging in the community. Right. I do like to, you know, do public speaking. I like to be involved. Even sometimes it could be difficult, but you learn a lot. You learn a lot from that community that you're kind of serving. So it's it was a good fit for me. I do consider myself a very social person. So I did not see myself necessarily all the time in a cubicle. I feel like it was a good fit. <laughs> yeah, I think civil engineering, I think one of the nice things about it is there are a lot of opportunities to engage with people in civil engineering, working on project teams, working with the public, doing public hearings. You know, there are many ways to do that. And so I think it's one of the benefits of this profession for sure, for those that want to do that. And so you've done a lot of stuff in your career, not outside of your job. Like you've gotten involved with a lot of other organizations, which I want to ask you about now, because I think that that's one of the ways that young engineers can really help to develop themselves and develop their careers. One of the things you've done is you've gotten involved with multiple professional organizations. Maybe you could talk about that experience and how that has helped you grow. Again, I think my first involvement with professional organizations were probably in the student chapters when I was in the community college, right? During that time, it was mainly like, okay, you know, get to know people, get to network, you know, how is like the actual field like? And it did help a lot, you know, since you sometimes you get like field trips and you get, you know, some exposed experience through that, right? Through that whole world of civil engineering, it's a very strong network. It's a very, in a way it's small, everybody knows each other. So at some point you're going to work with a lot of people, which is great. And um, definitely I do remember San Diego State did a lot of the uh, trainings on like technical interviews and career networking. And most of them, they were facilitated by ASCE and American Society of Civil Engineers and APWA, which is the American Public Works Association. And that's when I started noticing like, okay, how important, you know, these organizations are for your career development. And like I mentioned, as part of my conversations of getting my first internships were because I was able to talk to people that had connections within these professional organizations, right? That, that they knew about a job. Typically companies, either private, public, they reach out 
to the student chapters and they'll share, right? There's a full-time opportunity. There's an internship opportunity. We're looking for students. They're typically, you know, it's, it's a good way to reach out to people and find new talent or new people that they're looking into, you know, getting a, an opportunity in the field. So as, as part of my mentorship sessions that I've done in, in the past, I always share with the newer people that be like, hey, if you can involve yourself with a professional organization, try to do it as soon as possible. You know, it's just so useful for you, like I mentioned, for your career. And then they also, what's cool, they do events like social networking, like kind of uh, they do golf tournaments. They do, you know, a bunch of different things. They even do baseball games. So you get to connect with the industry outside of work. And it does help a lot when you are working on a project to have that camaraderie, right? To have that connection before working on a, on a big project it makes things a little bit easier for everybody. You mentioned a lot of different benefits there. I mean, one, just like developing some of your professional skill sets, like the interviewing, like the resumes when you're a student. Secondly, getting those opportunities to those internships and to those jobs, because these organizations will come right to the colleges, which is great. And I think lastly, what you just mentioned about the networking is a huge piece of it, right? Starting to build your professional network. Because really in your career, I mean, all of your opportunities pretty much come from the people that you know and the network that you've built. And so you have a lot of lot of great experiences that you've taken away from those professional organizations. And you recently graduated from the San Diego Leadership Alliance Institute, the 2022 cohort. Can you tell us what that entails and what you learned from that experience? This just happened. It was from January to June, just graduated last June. As you can see, as part of my conversation, I've been very involved in engineering, right? Just overall, I've been trying to learn my network, you know, and, and grow it and learn about it. It's so much to learn. But then I noticed that I have also that side of like developing my social areas, right? Like it does happen in civil engineering, but there's so many other things that I can learn that I feel like. I'm more complex than just an engineer, right? I also have different sides, I have other hobbies, I have other interests. So by uh, involving myself with San Diego Leadership Alliance, which is SDLA, I had to go through an application process, kind of like standing for something that I feel passionate about, which in my area has been for a couple of years, maybe since I began, you know, being in, in the full-time opportunities, try to open more doors and try to make more visibility for women in STEM overall. And of course, in civil engineering, since still there's some, um, there's not a lot of, of women still in STEM, it's getting a little bit better, but, you know, trying to get create more visibility and more resources. So that was kind of like the, the idea when I applied for SDLA and I went through an interview process and I was very lucky to be selected and was part of the 20 people that were selected. And what I really enjoyed about that experience was I was sharing the classroom with young professionals in different industries. So it was not only engineering, right? So it was, I had real estate professionals, I had lawyers, social workers, policy advisors, a little bit of everything that they were beginning in their career. They wanted to create a connection. They wanted to create good foundation of like, even we got public speaking experience. We got a lot, a lot of resources regarding to be a leader in our communities, depending on what sector we're in. I even remember I had like stress management. It was really, really well-rounded. It was really, really interesting. And I feel like in civil engineering, at least in my experience, I have not had that experience before, you know? So like 
I might have like, okay, public speaking, a little bit of the community engagement, but it was more personal. So kind of like developing my person before I can be a good leader, before I go out there and help people. So for example, in your case, you're a content creator and you're helping and you're giving resources to the civil engineers, which I think there's not a lot of people that do that. There's some out there, but I don't feel like there's a lot of uh, support, mainly at the beginning where you don't know what you want to go, where do you want to grow? There's like we were saying, it's so broad. So it's just endless journeys that you can take depending on, on your experience, right? So like I mentioned, SDLA was the best, the best experience I had so far. I'm not going to lie. It was one of the busiest years, probably in my recent years. It's crazy. I actually passed my professional civil engineer license. A year ago, I didn't have any of the three. In California, there's three exams. So I was doing the full-time work. I was studying, you know how it is. You have to study after work. You have to study during the weekends. And I was doing SDLA, which it was pretty much every Saturday for eight hours. It was so technical. My life was so technical. So I needed that balance of having that social connection with people and learning about other issues in life, not only mine. So it's just, it allowed me, I feel like, and that's why probably I passed. So that's when I noticed like, okay, I have to continue doing this, you know, this engagement, the social engagement, I think it's for me. It did help me a lot. So yeah, kind of like a perspective on of the timing of, of SDLA. I think it was a great timing. You have to get outside of just the engineering organizations as well and get to meet other people. And I think for civil engineers, it's especially important because we're very involved in the communities locally. So, you know, it's important for us to meet other business professionals, other business owners, and get a feel for that and build the network. And I think also to your point, you do need a break sometimes from the technical side of engineering and build up the non-technical side of it. And um, I think that's awesome. And congrats on passing your exam because that is a huge, huge challenge, I know. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and it took me so long. It's just, you know, trial and error, which is okay. I learned from the process, but it's so interesting to me that the moment I started prioritizing, like you said, not just the technical side, that's when I started doing well. When you give yourself some deadlines and you force yourself and put yourself a little bit under pressure, sometimes you perform a little bit better. That definitely happens. Now, now you also serve as a, a mentor for engineering classes at San Diego State University. Talk to us about that experience, some things that you've learned, how it works with the mentors. Tell us about that. I'm so fortunate that I started getting involved even when I was a student, right? I started doing like the K to 12 outreach and going to a little like events that they have for STEM. And I started, it's just amazing. You know what you learn from these kids. It's just amazing. I feel like it just gives you a perspective and in a way gives you a uh, hope for the future in a way. Right? <laughs> so sometimes, you know, when you get overwhelmed with the news and everything that's going on in the world and you go to these things and you're like, oh my God, yes, you know, we, we're going to be okay. I've been in the Greater San Diego Science and Engineering Fair, and it's amazing what these kids think about. Like when I was their age, I was like, not at all there. You know, it's it's, it's pretty amazing what you can learn from them. So I started, like I mentioned, probably since I was in the community college, I started doing some of that. And then also actually at my work, at my current work, I enjoy helping the recent hires, going through the organizational process and the whole thing, like kind of like tools and resources to be able to kind of like the onboarding part of it, that sometimes as somebody that has been kind of newer, remember, right? Kind of the things that you had to look at or whatnot. And then also as part of the... Um, of the experience has been going to the introductory class for civil engineering at San Diego State, which I've done for like five years now. 
is just amazing. It's just it's kind of connecting to that experience of learning so much from the newer generations, right? It's great when you get those awesome emails that, you know, they say that's something that you share with them, help them, or they feel inspired or, or they feel like they can do it too. And it's just very fulfilling. And You know, at some point in my career, I felt lost and I felt, you know, normal, right? I felt like I don't know what I want to do, but I feel like continuously doing the mentorship has helped me, you know, getting that higher purpose in a way than um, just everyday work. Because sometimes the stuff that we do, at least for me, you know, the projects are really, really big and, and really, really huge. They take years to you see the end result. And that's how it is. engineering, right? Sometimes it's a process. You have to go through a process. So the mentorship is just allows me to feel I am helping in some way. And I do like to, you know, help with, with resources. Like I mentioned, I also like to share some of my mistakes, some of the things I should have done better, some of the things that I learned along the way that I could have done or, or you know, in a way of like sharing experience like that. So I really like doing that. And um, this is the areas that I enjoy the most about our career. There are a lot of benefits. I mean, obviously, it's great anytime you can give back and help the next generation to grow and help them with some of their goals and finding their way. But I also think that there are benefits for individuals who mentor in terms of your communication skills, your leadership abilities, right, your confidence. And so I would say to all those civil engineers out there that if you have the opportunity to mentor, I mean, you can even mentor within your own organization, like Karen said. I mean, if you don't have time to get to a local school or you don't have one near you, but Anything you could do, I think, to mentor, it's beneficial for those you're mentoring, and it's also beneficial for you. And I think that that's something that is very beneficial. So, Karen, you talked a little bit before about being a woman in the civil engineering industry. Obviously, it's something where we're constantly trying to get more women involved, and everyone's still trying. We've done a series on the show here, Women in Civil Engineering. But maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you have faced in your career in this industry as a woman. That's a great question because I always like to place a little bit of perspective of kind of like my upbringing because I grew up in an environment that it was incredibly supportive. Okay. So since I can remember my direct family, like mom, dad, grandmother, brother, you know, my cousins, everybody told me that I could do anything that I want in my life. I can reach any goals. I can, even if I fail, they always, they've never doubted me. So this is how my brain was programmed, right? So I was programmed to think that I can do everything and anything that I want, which is crazy because I can see how if I, maybe if I did not have these skills, like I said, since my childhood and like, you know, of course the resilience and the self-confidence, it could be tough. And I could think about some of the people that did not have that upbringing and some of the struggles that they have to go through being in the industry. So I think as an overall thing that I like to remind myself in a way, it's there's always going to be people in the world. They're just committed to misunderstand you, regardless of the situation, right? It doesn't matter what you do or you do not do. It's just, that's what they do. So it's kind of like, you go through your times and then you start noticing with experience and noticing who actually has your back and who doesn't. And at the end of the day, a lot of the things that happen are more the perspective of that person, mainly that yourself, you know, it's your commitment. You're still a work in progress. You're constantly learning. But for example, like I was like probably my first year out of uh, college, a one of the engineers that have been there for so long, 
it was very interesting the way he said it, but he was like, oh, what did they teach you in school? But this person has been there for like 25 years. So it's kind of like, luckily for me, I didn't feel sad. I actually laughed because I was like, okay, person, you literally forgot when you started, right? But that is funny because, you know, I could imagine some other person felt affected by it, right? It felt like, oh my God, you know, that's kind of mean, whatever. But what's interesting, and I feel like as, as time progresses, I think, and, and that's part of the of the things that I, maybe we could do better as an industry overall. Uh, there's a lot of people that have been for so many years in the industry, and I feel like they forget or they kind of forgot when they started, right? So I feel like a little bit of empathy with the newer generations like they were not born knowing what to do they had to struggle and learn and you know to get in this in place that they're in and, and the knowledge that they have and the stuff that they do so they forgot sometimes that they started at some point not knowing what they were doing or where do they want to go I think that would be a great course of action in the future you know to try to implement that and try not to forget all the struggle that you've been through and then um as an extra thing, which again, I do talk to people from all over the world. I talk to people because engineering, I feel like it's so, you can just do engineering all over the world, which actually attracts a lot of people from different places and, um, you know, in different age groups. And I am positive that things are a little bit better now. I've heard that years ago, the industry was even like way more tough than now. I think we're moving in the positive direction. We're moving in the right direction. Um, but, you know, like always being aware of your person, right? And, and think about the person that you're talking to. You have the power to shape this person, either for good or bad. So it's an interesting thing. But I feel like as a woman, it's mainly maybe fighting that subconscious bias that sometimes exists within their person but at the end of the day it's a personal thing and then they make it into the workplace as some people I'll say that's great and what would you like building on that for the women out there listening like that want to be leaders in the civil engineering field like what advice would you have for them a lot of the things that I feel like I've been able to accomplish has been thanks to again the support that I've received again from my family and friends and then of course there, I met great people in the industry that also have guided me and mentored me. And, you know, I'm so, so happy about that. So as part of uh, the difficult things that I think I, I continuously learn, it's to be able to listen to people that I, that I agree with and people that I do not agree with as well. Because I feel like if we want to become a leader in an organization or a company, you're going to be managing people that believe in you and people that they do not believe in you at the end of the day that's the reality you cannot be you know perfect for everybody because we're not perfect right and i feel like being aware of our surroundings right of like where people may be standing and things like that at the end of the day you have a common goal which is delivering that project and you know serving the public whatever that is but at the end of the day you're still working on the same goal regardless of people's opinions and there are going to be times they're going to feel like sad or lost. So that's part of life, right? Definitely have that support network built, you know, identify your allies who actually want the best for you. They want the best for you and it's okay. And some other thing that I think it did help me, it's to try to not take anything personal. Sometimes 
people have their reasons and sometimes they support you and then sometimes they don't and then sometimes they don't and then sometimes they do. So it's just too much to control that I think it's not even part of, of your area of control, right? So it's mainly to understand that's how humans are. And I feel like that's how we've been functioning for years and years. So <laughs> anyways. Control what you can control. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Something that you said before, you know, about your family and the, the positive reinforcement. I think that that was great and you're lucky to have that background for sure. But I think what you said, you know, having that mindset is so important, especially I could see it for a woman in an industry that there's not as many women to be able to stay strong and go up against a lot of stuff that you have to go up against. And I would also say for those engineers listening that are kind of leaders in their organizations, I think you they can help to instill that mindset, right? And the people that work on their teams, that's one of the best parts about being a leader is your ability to not just mentor people, but help them create better habits for themselves, better mindsets. Because that like, even after you're not leading them anymore, it's still going to have a big impact on their careers and, and really on their lives, quite frankly. That's a really important thing that you said there because it's not always up to us and how you're brought up and what kind of mindsets are given to you, but you can develop them and you can do some stuff on your own. It's not as easy, but I just think knowing how important the mindset is, you know, is just a very important aspect of, of growth in your career. One last thing before we wrap up this segment that I want to ask you about is STEM. I know you're passionate about STEM, STEM in the civil engineering industry. Just talk about your thoughts on STEM and how, you know, civil engineers can get kind of more involved. So I read, and actually I like to share it because I think it was really, really interesting, the report that I think they do it every year. They publish every year and it's called Women in the Workplace Study, which is the state of women in corporate America. And I think it can be found online, but I think the website that I have is leanin.org. Um, I could share it later, but basically a lot of the findings in this report were analysis throughout all the industries for sure, but it does, it can be applied as well to civil engineering and part of the uh, also public sector and a little bit of different areas within the workplace. And um, I really like the graphics and I really like the, the numbers and the analysis that they use and the approach in a way of showing people that this is what we, these are our findings and you can interpret however you think will work best for your company or for your industry or whatnot. So education, it's such a big part because I constantly, like I, I mentioned, when I talk to the younger generations and the people that are just getting out of high school, they have a different mindset. They have a different brain. They have a different priorities. They're different than even us or like even older generations. So it's that constant awareness that STEM, it's an ever-changing industry, ever-changing field, you know, like technology-wise, right? The softwares that we have right now probably are not the same as we had 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So things are done different, right? And there's a lot of innovation going on. There's a lot of, of things, at least speaking with my experience at transportation, for example, there are different criteria that I have to, as an engineer, you have to think about than maybe like 20 years ago. Like, for example, for the PE, for the eight-hour exam, now they ask you about multimodal transportation, which maybe in the um, 10 years ago during the exam, it was not necessarily one part of the exam. So that's the part of like how it constantly changes, right? And um, if civil engineers, they can help again, because STEM itself is changing. And I think civil engineering goes within STEM. It's under the STEM umbrella. So to 
not forget, right, that we are still within that change. And if uh, things change and progress, hopefully we don't, we're not left behind because things are going to keep moving. And at the same time, and I see it and it's great how we are moving into different technologies, like I mentioned. So it's just moving so fast. So I think it's, it's kind of good to be aware of those changes. Listen, with all the infrastructure needs in our country, civil engineers are going to be critical going forward and we need more civil engineers. And the only way to get them is to get out there and, and talk about civil engineering. So I think that's great. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come right back with Karen and we'll finish up with the civil engineering hot seat. We'll be right back. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, we are back with Karen Islas. Karen is a professional civil engineer in California, working on transportation projects in the public sector. And now we're going to put Karen on the civil engineering hot seat. You ready, Karen? Sure. <laughs> All right, the first question, do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently every day that has contributed to your success? Keeping in touch with my friends and my, you know, network, either work-wise and my friends and family, definitely. I think I probably text them every single day or at least share stuff on, you know, videos on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. So we always in touch. Also, of course, I love the coffee in the morning. It's just the smell of coffee. It's just, I love it. I, maybe I'm addicted to it. I don't think I get headaches. So I, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's mainly like a mindset thing of like, okay, I have to like wake up now or like be, you know, productive. And then also something I've been doing for the last year that I think I like a lot, it's working out. Some of the things that I working on getting a little bit better. Sometimes I lack patience. I'm a little bit better now, but kind of like to see the progress real quick and stuff like that. So I feel like with working out, it's such a slow but steady process. You have to constantly do it literally every single day if you can. And even if you advance 0.005%, you're still advancing. So it kind of helps me in that part of, of my brain. Do you have one book that you would recommend or one book that's been really helpful for you in your career or life just in general that you remember that you always remember? I do love to read. I think um, there's always something to learn overall. I remember the book that I read when I was like 16 years old. And I think uh, it kind of like helped me with just the idea of, I guess, dreaming, right? And then going outside your box or whatever. It was The Alchemist. Paulo Coelho. That's a great book. Yeah. It's a great book. So yeah, I think it, it was a good time to read that, you know, back then and be able to, you know, dream a little bit. And I still remember it till this day. And some of the other stuff I've been reading has been mainly like a little bit of fiction. You know, I, of course, sure, I read like, I think in 2010 or something, I read Hunger Games. I, I loved Hunger Games, you know, so it's just a little bit of everything. So get the imagination going. Yeah, The Alchemist is one of my favorites. I just actually reread it. It's a really good book. If you think of some of the managers that you've had in your career so far, and I'm not asking you to name names, but just thinking about the managers that you've had, who was your favorite in terms of like, what are the skill sets of some of your favorite managers? Just trying to understand, like in the civil engineering world, what makes for a great manager? Part of um, of the process of my growth in, a, in, in the industry has been, I have really good managers overall, right? Meaning that 
they trusted me. They gave me opportunities, you know, like high level presentations, go out there and, and, and talk to the community itself. Like you had to kind of give me that trust before and then be able to prove it to you. But the fact that they trusted me before. So I think as overall managers, um, I've had really good ones. I had a couple of ones that have not been necessarily the best or best fit for me, but you can always learn from any of these managers, right? Like for example, the ones that were not a best fit for me, I'll say, oh, I don't want to be like that. So at least you're learning that, right? So I don't want to be like that. That's not, you know, anyways, but you learned that you don't want to be like that. So that's a good thing. But then I think overall, like as a skill, I feel like when managers are so self-aware of the power that they have to influence people, right? And the same time they have that power to influence people, they actually create opportunities for everyone. They're aware. They look at you. They look at this person. Okay. For example, Karen may not be good at this and that's okay, but they'll see and they'll be like, she may be good at that awareness of the people that they have under their purview. I think being aware of who do you have in your team at the end of the day, talking about civil engineering for the last couple of minutes, it's very broad. So you're going to find a spot that you can shine on having that self-awareness. It's, it's great. All right. I got one last question for you here. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had 30 to 40 seconds with him or her to give some career advice in 30 to 40 seconds, what would it be? Uh, listen to yourself. Nobody knows better than yourself, even though you're still a work in progress. Again, you're still learning. Listen to yourself and you're going to feel sad and lost and overwhelmed at some point in your career. That's going to happen 100%. Like that's part of the growth part as well. You're going to feel like that and make sure that you have your network and your support network identified. Right. So because you're going to have to rely on them when you don't feel like your best person or your best self. That's good advice, right? You got to listen to your gut kind of and kind of go with it and stay true to that throughout your career. Well, listen, Karen, you've done so much stuff already and you're so young. So it's great to be able to spend some time with you. And I kind of feel like I'm motivated. I want to hang up and go. Oh, come on. <laughs> but <laughs> You're doing so much. Like I said, you're literally filling an area that I don't think we have in civil engineering, you know, commitment to professional development. It's great. Well, no, I appreciate that, but we're able to do it just because we do get so many people like you that can come on, you know, that are willing to take some time out of their days. And that's really what it takes. And so again, thanks for spending time with us. Good luck with everything in your career. And I hope one of these days, maybe we'll get to meet at one of these conferences along the way. Oh, for sure. Let's do it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Karen. I certainly did. I mean, she is very passionate. She's got a ton of energy. And I think when you talk to people like her, you kind of get excited about things. And I think what she talked about in terms of her family and the support structure that they've put in place for her and kind of the constant positive talk and self-talk that they've given her to help her to be able to overcome challenges is extremely empowering. If you're a parent, I think it's empowering for you to be able to do that with your children. If you're a leader of a team, in the engineering world. I think it's important for you to do that with your team members, right? Because they need to build confidence as young professionals. So that was a huge takeaway from this conversation for me. And please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that Karen mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. 
Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.